All right, here's the question. Who likes winning cool, free stuff for buying something that you absolutely love? Raise your hand. All right, we do too. And the people at Molly Spirits like giving up free stuff as well. So during the month of July, when you accumulate 300 points, you're going to receive a stainless steel cocktail shaker and jigger. How do you earn points? I'm glad you asked. Just buy your favorite beer, wine, or spirits at Molly Spirits. Easy enough, right? And the best way to do that is Maybe pick up some ready-to-drink canned cocktails like Mad Lemon Mad Classic Lemonade. Or how about a high-noon pool pack with a variety of vodka and soda seltzers? Molly's has the best selection of ready-to-go canned drink cocktails that help make this summer an even better one. So here's what you do. Head on down to one of Molly's two locations to shop over 12,000 beers, wines, and spirits. You will love them both. The Lakeside location at 44th and Harlan and in the DTC located at I-25 and Arapahoe, right there in the Arapahoe Marketplace on the west side of the highway next to Sprouts. Win cool free stuff. Walk out with exactly what you want and, oh by the way, support a Colorado company. What more could you want? Molly's Spirits, a land of adult beverage discovery. Hey, let me tell you about Boyer's Coffee. If you're like us, if you're like me, you, I, enjoy, actually need that first cup of coffee, right? To start the day off, then the second cup, then with me, the third cup. So you can start your day off how we start our day off with a cup of Boyer's Coffee. And with the amazing weather, although it has been a tad bit hot, think about enjoying that coffee outside as you start your day. You'd love it. As you know, we love our Colorado companies. Boyer's has been roasting right here in the Rocky Mountains since 1965 and is bigger and better than ever, which means you can find Boyer's at your local grocery store, Sam's Club, Walmart, or hop online at boyerscoffee.com. There you can check out their wide selection of about any kind of coffee you can imagine, whether it's a light breakfast blend, a medium, or even a dark roast. Boyer's has the coffee that you will love. If flavored coffee is what you love, then you definitely have hit the jackpot with choices like butterscotch toffee, chocolate mousse, and coconut cream. Man, that sounds good. So run, don't walk, to your local grocery store or head over to boyerscoffee.com and start off your day the right way. Boyer's Coffee, a proud Colorado company. This is the Dave Logan Podcast. And welcome to the Dave Logan Podcast. Dave Logan and Julie Brown with podcast number 128. Thanks for listening. We always appreciate that. Good to see you. Great to see you. How was your fourth? Uh, good. Just uh, had some family over and I think we uh, we did probably what most families do, ate too much, but uh, enjoyed the fireworks. When am I ever going to get an invite to anything? To anything? Yeah. Like, Well, we do this podcast together. <laughs> Okay. You're the only person I do a podcast with. I know, but like a social thing. Like, hey, we're having people over. Oh, well, maybe the next time I have people over. It's you, not It's not like, no. I mean, do you, do you have like parties every weekend and you invite people over? <laughs> no. And, and since turnaround is fair play, when's the last time I got an invite? Well, I never do anything. <laughs> okay. So, okay. That's my answer as well. Okay. No, your you're always welcome to come over. Thank you. Uh, in your neighborhood, was it just crazy like it was in every other neighborhood? It was loud. It was loud for sure. What did you do with your doggy? No good for the dogs. Um, put them in their cage and turn the TV up uh, loud and, you know, do the best you can. Yeah. They did pretty good, though. 
Well, speaking of fireworks, I don't know if you guys talked about this on your weekday show, but did you see what Amazon did with Thursday Night Football? It's pretty cool. What? Okay, you know, Kenny Miller, who used to head up Altitude, yeah. took a job with Amazon. Yeah. So I knew they were going to do some pretty fun things. So Thursday Night Football, they stole away Al Michaels, yep. as you know, and Kirk Herbstreet. Yep. Knew that. Okay. They also hired Carissa Thompson. She's pregame host. Knew that. Okay. Did you know about Akeem Tlaib? Uh, I, I was at a done deal. I knew that they were talking with him. According to a report from the New York Post. Okay. He's going to be part of um, the studio crew. Listen, I think that's a perfect gig for Akeeb. I, I think he's really good. I know not everybody shares that opinion, but I think he keeps it real. I think he's creative. I think he can express his point of view and get it across in a way that you know most football fans can appreciate. I, I just, I, I, and again, because I've got friends that that don't. That feel just the opposite. What do they think about him? They they think that uh, it's too hard to understand him, and he talks too fast, and uh, sometimes talks over their head. And I, I love. I think he's a really talented young broadcaster that's going to get better and better. And especially when you use him, I, I think he may be better in the studio role than he is as a game analyst. Um, you know, the game analyst role, you've got to be. You, you're limited, right? I mean, you're limited in terms of how much time you have to say what you have to say. So, um, I yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think he'll be good. I love it because there's so many times I turn on a pregame show. It's just bland to me. And then some of the guys are trying too hard to be right. opinionated. You can tell it's pretty forced. He's just to keep. He's not trying. And I also don't think he's really going to care if he talks about a player that he even knows. Like I don't Oh, think I think he would. I, th- I think he would. I mean, right? I, I yeah. I think he'll Sure. I think he'll find out um I mean, to keep one thing that I appreciate about him is he's he's very smart. So See, a lot of people may not know that. You know I, I think he's way. yeah. I, th- I think he's smart. He, I, I guarantee, he's football smart. Mm-hmm. He's one of the one of the smarter, I think, defensive players for the Broncos in, in in the last whatever ten or fifteen years. I mean, but he's he's also smart in terms of um, how he'll approach this TV thing. I think he will care. Okay. I think he'll care what he says. I, that doesn't mean he won't be critical at mm-hmm. times. But I think anybody, anybody who has that gig, where your job is to, as a studio analyst, at times be critical of either what you see or there's a topic that's brought up and you have to comment on a coach, um, and, and you've played in the league, so you understand how the game is played. You understand if it's, you know, how tough it is, and it's a hard game to coach and to play. So yeah, I think he'll be aware of that. But but again, as I said earlier, I think he'll be very good at it. I'm anxious to watch him. What advice would you give him? One piece of just advice. be you. Don't okay. uh, you know? And I would I would hope that whomever's going to be the producer of that particular show, um, I mean, you hired a keep to leave, right? You didn't hire Drew Brees. Right. You hired a guy that has a lot of personality, that is outspoken, that, uh, you know, grammatically speaking, might not be on point every single moment, but you know what he means. Uh, I think I think younger 
uh, uh, audience members will be able to relate to him. I really do. And I mean, I, I think you, you give him some parameters. You tell him sort of what you want and expect growth from week one through week 17. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think you're going to get a very opinionated, very outspoken, very honest, but very smart studio host. I can't wait to watch. Yeah. Don't know also if you guys talked about this, but did you see the report in the New York Times about Demarius Thomas? Because I saw it. I don't know where I saw it. I saw it this morning, but stage two CTE. Yeah. 33 years old. It, there's also, you know, he also had the seizures. So that's also, mm-hmm. the, it's not just CTE, but I as soon as I read it, I think I did. Did you think about you? Um, I'm not sure how to take that. I, we, oh, wait a second. We sec. played I the same I'm, position. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, you're concerned am I sho- level for am, your... I, am I showing <laughs> signs of CTE? If so, <laughs> what are they? <laughs> what are they? <laughs> Sorry. Wait, that was supposed to be a caring statement. Slash. Yeah. Um, I just wonder how you, like, when you think about those things, you play the same position. Yeah. No, listen. How you think about those things. In, in all honesty, yes, every sir. time I see one of those reports, mm-hmm. um, it's concerning especially with a young guy that I that I knew yeah that I had talked to and um, he was such he was just such a good young young dude but um, yeah I mean here's the thing with CTE I mean football is a very dangerous sport in that it is it is a collision sport they have done the best they can over the last handful plus years of trying to clean it up trying to take the head out of shots delivered by the defense. Um, and I'm not. I'm not saying that CTE is not real. I'm not saying that. I mean, it's it's obvious because we've seen how many football players after uh, they are deceased um, come up with CTE. So I'm I'm not saying that that you can't get CTE playing football. You can, but I I just wonder how prevalent CTE is in people that may not be former professional football players, right? Might be, I mean, whatever. So I, I, I don't know how much trauma to the, to the head and, you know, how much is involved before that process begins. You know, is it possible, is it possible for one to develop CTE a little bit later on in life and, and them have, having not been an athlete? Wasn't about being the the trauma to the head, right? Well, I mean that that's that's what they're saying now. I mean certainly, and um, but I mean how how many times is it only professional football players? That would be my question. And I know they're working working really hard to try to find a test that they would be able to administer to people that are alive. That could say, "Hey, you, you, you're in stage one of CTE. So therefore, you know, maybe you can do things to combat that, right? But right now, the only way to diagnose this is post uh, is post mortem. So um, I don't know, but yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I, I hate to, I hate to hear that. I hate to see it, um, and it's especially with somebody you know. Do you know anybody else that you played with? That well, I mean, I, I've. Uh, you know, I've got I've got teammates that um, I've lost one teammate, but 
but but that was to uh, that was to brain cancer. So you you don't really know of any teammate. You know, you've got teammates that are struggling. You've got guys that you played against that are struggling. But it's hard to it's hard to conclude exactly mm-hmm. what they're struggling from, right? Their bodies are broken. I I can tell you that much. Yeah. Uh we all sort of fight fight that to a certain degree. Okay. So to Maybe cheerier things? I don't know, depending on your answer. So we also didn't do the podcast when the news came out about USC and UCLA. Yeah. Um, I would imagine as a CU guy, that news had to hit a little bit harder just because, and I did hear you guys, you and Al talking about it, about you guys were hoping that something would happen soon. We haven't heard anything, right, about what CU's planning on doing. No, I think they're, uh, honestly, I think the USC-UCLA thing caught a lot of people, including most members of the Pac-12 um, by surprise, but it, it's it's just the nature. I, I I don't like it, but it's the nature of college football today. I mean, you're going to have two super conferences, two superpowers in the SEC and the Big Ten, and then you're going to have a bunch of other schools scrambling. I think um, if I had to venture a guess right now, I think CU will wind up in the Big Twelve, um, go back to the conference that they left. Now, whether or not that's a good thing, I, I don't know. I mean, the Big 12 is not going to be as powerful as the SEC and the Big 10. I mean, this is all about, all about TV money. And a lot of TV money. And for the Big 10, I mean, the Big 10 network is um, is an affiliate of Fox. I mean, Fox owns that. So when you read some of the numbers, and after it was announced that USC and UCLA were going to the Big 10, I got online and started researching some of this. When you read some of the numbers of the the amount of money, they're talking about all teams in the Big Ten would realize somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 to $200 million per year. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, stop and think about that. So, it it is, in my mind, it's clearly, it. If somebody said it's a money grab, yeah, it is a money grab. It's also a grab to remain relevant, right? I mean, if you if you're gonna if you're gonna compete in today's world in college football, I mean, you you've got to be willing to commit to it, jump in it, and you know try to make the best possible deal. What I fear for the University of Colorado is that. They're still, and I've said this before, I've said it many times, and I've said it for many, many years, there's still a component of that university that would be very, very happy if football just went away. Now, you say, okay, how- Some years it looks like it has. Well, they've they've been bad. I mean, they've been bad. They still have a program, though. But I'm talking about literally would be happy if the program just, just didn't exist. You have you have to wonder how strong that group or those groups truly are within the university hierarchy, and those are questions that only probably a handful of people can can honestly answer. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be an uphill battle. My hope is that CU is working right now as we sit here and do this podcast at trying to get aligned in the Big Twelve because if they don't. If they don't, I, I'm not sure what they do. The Pac-12, I don't think, will continue to exist 
Now the Pac-12s talked about adding, you know, adding teams. Who who are you going to add? Right? I mean, who who it was a horrible TV product anyway, right? I mean, that deal they cut with the Pac-12 network, that was it was really, you know, below par. So to think you're going to lose the LA schools, USC and UCLA, which is one of the top two or three TV markets, and you're going to just add a couple of other schools, and here at the Pac-12 still going to uh, continue to do business. I don't see it. If I'm CU and running the, you know, this particular part of the operation, I have already called the Big 12, and I'm trying to cut the best possible deal to get in that conference. Don't you want them to be in a conference also that they can actually compete I know there's money on the line. You know, you went to Kansas. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what you have to say about the football program at the University like of Kansas. About me. What do you mean? I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> I just reminded you that you, you know, uh, Kansas did go to the Orange Bowl. I believe it was 1969. Very long ago. 1969. No, so, um, so, yeah, you want them to compete. I mean, that's up to them. The people up there, the people in power have to decide whether you're going to get in the game or not. And I've said this before, uh, I just don't remember if it was the podcast or on the radio show, but I had a college football coach um, from the University of Texas Mm -hmm. who is recruiting one of my players Mm -hmm. have a very uh, honest conversation about what's going on in this crazy world of college football from a money standpoint. Tell more, tell more. Well, no, he he just said, hey, there are schools that are all in. Right, the school I I work for is all in. Alabama's all in. Uh, LSU. He mentioned USC, but he said there are schools that aren't. They're just not fully committed financially to jumping in, and um, that's that's where I fear Colorado comes down right now. Mm-hmm. They've they've um, you know they just have not. Well, we we could do we could do a litany of podcasts. We could do a podcast every day about my frustrations with the University of Colorado's football program and the support from those who govern the program over the years. You know, they they to me there's been pressure put on that program and those running the program have not been strong enough or incapable of standing up and saying, listen, you know, I understand, but that's not what we're going to do. Pressure, like what are you talking about? Just, I mean, go back and look, go back and look in the early 2000s, all the things that happened to the program. Now, people, people will look and say, oh, the program was, you know, completely out of control and running crazy. No, it was not. No, it was not. There were things that happened in the program that should have been cleaned up. There were you know, there were things that were done by uh, players that are done by players all over the country, not condoning, but they should have been cleaned up. But they they put so many restrictions on that program, it made it virtually impossible to recruit uh, players, the kind of players that had been there previously, to come to the University of Colorado. And they did it knowingly. And, um, and so we are now in 2022 – and you look at how that program has basically um, been in terms of success or lack thereof since about 2005. You had the one really good year 
which I can't even remember exactly what year that was. But there's there's no reason with that university and the campus and the academic part of it and the football um, facilities. There's no reason that you can't win at the University of Colorado. But again, I, and I don't, I mean, some of it I think o- over the over the years has been the hire, uh, the hiring practice for the head coach. Some of it, um, you know, is is beyond that. Some of it is, 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 lands in the lap of those who decide what they do and don't do. You're around high school kids all the time. What do high schoolers, talented high schoolers, think of CU? Well, I can't speak for, I mean, I, I've had... Listen, I've had uh, oh probably a handful of of guys that I've coached up there. I mean, I've got Chase Penry's up there now. He'll start for him this year at receiver. Um, uh, Dimitri Stanley went up there. Um, so I, I mean, I've had guys that have gone up there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jaylee Stacks is still up there at running back, but I've also had guys that have decided not to go. And as a high school coach. You know, to me, I answer any questions honestly, but you've got to you've got to let that final decision be between my player and my player's family because ultimately they have to feel comfortable where they're going to go to school. Have I've had I've had a couple of players that CU didn't recruit, and they know about that. I've talked to I've talked to coaches up there, coaches that are still there, mm-hmm. about guys that I think were really good players that really would have gone to CU. The CU did not recruit. That's okay. I mean, I don't like it, but that's the prerogative of of the staff. The staff may view my, a player differently than I view the player, and I do I do buy into the the old uh, axiom. You know, you fall in love with your players. Coaches that are close to players and see them every day, typically you you might think they're better than they are. Now, in in these two cases, I don't think so. I, I don't think that was the case. But um, so the bottom line is the player and the family, his family, have to decide where's the best place. How much are they leaning on you? Like, do you get calls that are like, from Coach Logan from, from the family. What do you think we should do? Oh, I've with had those what before. Do you do sure, with that answer. Sure, I, I'm I'm honest with them. Um, you know, it's it's not my job to persuade them to go to school anywhere, right? I, I'd love if guys that CU is recruiting would go to CU, but what I want mostly is for them to go somewhere that. And I, I tell them the same thing. Hey, you know what? You got to be able to go somewhere that you think you can live. For five years you got to go somewhere that has what you want to study academically all right don't go somewhere based on I like the head coach because the chances are the head coach is not going to be there for your entire career that's just you know I, I coach Crowder Eddie Crowder recruited me out of Wheaton Reach High School I mean he made it through the end of my sophomore year right so coaches are hired and they're fired you go somewhere you can live that has exactly what you want to study um and that also you're comfortable with the program. The, the hard thing is, I mean, and this is, you know, no revelation. I mean, the teams that win a lot of games and are hyped and you see all the time on TV and, the, you know, big deal. I mean, kids want to go places they can be seen and play in bowl games and play on TV. And that's, that's part of, I think that's more part of, nowadays than maybe it was when I first started coaching back in 1993. 
wasn't planning on going down this path, but you also mentioned something about you're talking to a, a coach from Texas. Yep. Okay. So now I want it from that other side as the kids coach. How honest are you with that coach? Like, is, is that your job to convince that coach to take your player or are you just being as objective as possible? Well, I, I, I think this, I, you know, this is just my belief. I don't want to ever oversell my, my players. I don't want to, what I want is my player to go somewhere to graduate to play some ball. Um, if, if you happen to go to a bowl game and you play on TV, great. If you happen to be good enough to get drafted in the NFL, that's great too. But to graduate and to play some ball. So it doesn't do me any good if I, not that the college coach isn't smart enough to see it for himself, but if I oversell one of my players and my player winds up going to that particular university and holding a dummy, for three or four years and not ever really getting a chance to play because you know why his skill set is not good enough to play at that school. Well, that, that doesn't do me any good to say, mm-hmm. well, I had a guy that went to wherever. So I'm honest about stuff. I also, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I'm pro player. I'm not gonna, uh, it's not my job. I've never in 29 seasons, sat down with a college coach and said, you know what? You do not want to recruit this guy. Mm-hmm. You just you just don't. Mm-hmm. I've never said that. Um I just I just wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel right about about doing that. Now, mm-hmm. you know, I may I may say um when he's when he asked me say how how fast is he? You know, he's probably not the fastest guy I've ever coached, but he's got good quickness. He's got, I mean, that's the college recruiter's job to watch tape and right. talk to other coaches. And uh, so I'm honest. I'm honest about my kids. How do we get on that topic? I don't, I like it. I don't know how we got on it. Yeah. I sort of like focusing on the Kansas Jayhawk football <laughs> prowess. Since you brought CU up, I'm still pissed about that. I know. Well, I think you were upset with my great job when I was like, yeah, well, they haven't had it for a while. What's that? I just took a job at CU and during that conversation. You did. I know. You did. And then you took a jab at No, I, I, I jab back when it comes to the Bucks. I know. Harder. For um, sure. We also didn't get a chance to talk to a couple weeks ago, Marlon Briscoe, the first black starting American, the first black starting quarterback in the AFL league more than 50 years ago, passed away a couple weeks ago. Yep. And at the time, obviously, it was a big story and obviously a big deal that he's breaking those kind of barriers. Do you think we're still there? Or if I don't feel like we talk about black quarterbacks anymore. We used to maybe a few years ago, but we don't talk about when Russell Wilson comes here that he's a black quarterback. And I think that's a great thing. Am I on the right path here? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I, I would like to think, and I do think we've, <clears throat> excuse me, we've moved past that. It used to be, especially like when Michael Vick was playing, I just feel like that was such a focus. Sure. You know? Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I actually saw Marlon Briscoe play. I saw Marlon Briscoe. I was in the stands. How old were you? For, uh, I was probably early teens, maybe 12, 13, maybe. Mm-hmm. 11, 12, 13. I can't remember. Pre mustache. Yeah. Yeah, definitely pre mustache. Didn't have the porn stash going. <laughs> Maury would not have put up with that. No, Dad would not have. Um, and I was struck, just my young little mushy brain, <laughs> <clears throat> on how how good he was. 
I mean, because he was different than any other quarterback that I'd ever seen. Right. I mean, back in the day in Denver, we got we got CBS. We got one game, one NFL game uh, pretty much on Sunday. And it for the most part was the Chicago Bears. Yeah. So. And they didn't have they didn't have a black quarterback. I mean, I'd never seen really a black quarterback play until that game. Um, And he could throw the ball. He could throw it on the run. He was really athletic in terms of this is what my 12 year old or however old I was brain. That's my memory of it. Just moving around. Thought he was thought he was excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, And then before you know it, he's no longer playing in Denver. And he uh, he's a good enough athlete. He went to Buffalo, went to Miami, Mm -hmm. uh, made a Pro Bowl, I think, or two in Buffalo. He wanted to be on the Super Bowl team in Miami because he he played with a former teammate of mine, Paul Warfield, I believe. So, but but Marlon Briscoe uh, wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but but certainly from a talent standpoint, my memory tells me he was pretty damn good at quarterback. Did you ever get to meet him? Did not. Did not. Okay. Final thing: uh, Russell Wilson had a passing academy at Chaparral High School. I guess some of the coaches, um, and then they had some of the players were helping the kids. Almost five hundred players, age eight to fifteen across two full fields. Over the years, Russell Wilson has worked with over 10,000 kids at these passing academies. Did you go to a, a football camp growing up taught by a player? Didn't have them. Because it was like 1800? They or? didn't have them. Hey, we <laughs> rode around in our covered wagons. We weren't worried about... Uh, we weren't worried about going to a quarterback camp. <laughs> we were worried about plowing the field. <laughs> You are looking at me with daggers, right? <laughs> no, uh, I did not. They re- they really didn't have them. So uh, I remember going to the School of Mines, and for some reason, and I still don't know why, mm-hmm. the Baltimore Colts what? were training one summer at the School of Mines. And my favorite player was Johnny Unitas. Oh, yes. Uh, and my first receiver coach in the NFL was Raymond Berry, who was Johnny Unitas' His favorite favorite receiver. So I remember meeting uh, Johnny Unitas and thinking the the world can end now. That is awesome. That that was that was really good. But I tell you this, I I liked that Russell. Um, you know, you're seeing more guys. I mean, Peyton Manning's had the his his academy for the longest of time. I mean, it's really important that guys work with some of our our young aspiring football players and the fact that he had 500 kids between eight eight and whatever it was 13 yeah. i mean and they all probably want to be a quarterback and they all look at russell wilson and you know the cool thing about it is russell wilson is not you know an overly imposing figure when you meet him in person he's about 510 maybe mm-hmm. yeah so i mean he looks he's just a regular looking stick but regular looking dude and for kids I think it's cool that they look and say, hey, I mean, you know what? I, I I might be able to look like that someday and be able to play. Yeah. So good good on him. Um, this was before I think he went to Wimbledon and then later had went to Monaco and uh, such an interesting, interesting life he leads. I know. You, you know? should do like a week in the life and you should go. And I'm okay. Him. I'm okay with that. I know there's some people, you know, there's a little bit of a buzz around town about, hey, I mean, how many more things are you going to do? I mean, you got guys here. Listen, let him do what he wants to do. This is the middle of 
of, uh, well, now it's actually early July. Come the 27th, he's going to be in camp, and that'll be what he does for the remainder of the season. So I'm, I'm, I'm not one of these guys that thinks, you know, right before camp, he's got to be locked in the basement watching tape. There will be days for him to do that, yeah. but it'll start, you know, it'll start after July 27th. I have no worries about Russell Wilson and where he's going to spend his time. No, and- I don't either. I, although I'll say this, and we'll talk more about it in the ensuing podcast, but, um, Man, the expectation level is really high on this team. Really high. And I'm I'm okay with it because I really don't have a choice. You know, Russell Wilson has embraced it, which is cool because you want your you want your leader to step up and say, Yeah, no, we're we're here to do one thing and that's to win. Yeah. But I'm telling you, it's it's easier to talk about it than to put it into play when you're bringing an entirely new offense with a new quarterback and a new head coach, new coordinators, first-time head coach, first-time coordinators, it's easy to say, hey, this thing is going to explode and be great than to step back and say, huh, well, let's see. You know, so I'm the the I mean, I've got so many friends who are so jacked up. They're actually counting down days like they do on the NFL Network and ESPN. Hey, 35 more days to the start of I'm like, dude, really? Seriously? Are you really? Yeah, man, I'm I'm excited about it. Let's go to I'm like, okay. now I take that 100 times out of 100 over what it's been the last five years. Like who's going to play quarterback and can that guy really play? We don't have that to worry about. But um, I do think the expectation level is high for this team. Which, Should we take it down a notch? Well, no, I'm, I'm good with it. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I'm one of those guys that is a bit, um, I'm not hesitant, but I'm, I'm curious to see how quickly they can put this whole damn thing together. Because there's a lot of moving parts with the Broncos starting on July 27th. It's still so exciting. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so next week we will talk about Kansas football. Yeah. And It'll then, last about a minute. Yeah, about and 90 then, seconds worth. <laughs> and then we'll talk about something else. Yeah. And okay. then you might want to get Kansas basketball in because you do have the national championship. To, yeah, I do. To fall back on. Yeah, I do. See you yes. next week. Bye. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is pulling you in the center of the action with endless ways to make it rain this week. Sports betting has never been this convenient. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet from anywhere the app is available. And if you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new players a deposit bonus of up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code LOGAN, my last name. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet, from live betting to betting on your favorite players, they really do it all. Check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day this week to cash in on their daily odds boosts. New boosts are posted every single day for all the biggest sporting events. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure. It's really easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money whenever you want to. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code LOGAN, L-O-G-A-N, when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code LOGAN to get a deposit bonus of up to $1,000 for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.